and uh, we are live. Everybody, uh, welcome to Junkyard Theory, episode 13, and uh, Happy New Year, first of all. Uh, it's, uh, you know, 2020 was, uh, well, we all know what 2020 was, but uh, we managed to do 12 sessions, and we are back here in 2021 with uh, episode number 13, and we're going to continue this for the rest of the year. So uh, tonight's guest is somebody very uh, esteemed in the industry, and uh, he is an Academy Award nominee. Uh, he's worked on films such as Black, The Black Stallion, Jumanji, the original Jumanji, Captain America, The First Avenger, and also Jurassic Park 3. Everybody, please uh, join me in welcoming Mr. Robert Dalva. Robert, good morning to you, and thank you for joining. Thank you. Good to see you. Likewise. It's very early in the morning in California. So. I'm so sorry to wake no, you up. No problem. No problem. <laughs> it's, it's, it, the sun is just beginning to come up. The sky is getting bright. So. In, in a month or two, I guess you guys are going to uh, have longer days and shorter nights. Beginning to get, yeah. We, yeah. yeah, we just... Uh, you know, just just beginning to know, become aware of it, the change. So, how's the pandemic? How's the pandemic been affecting you guys over there? Sorry, you're, uh, from, you're from Northern uh, California, somewhere on San Francisco, yeah. The Bay yes, area. I, I live in the Bay Area. Um, it, it 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 it's affected us in the sense that uh, we don't. We're we're both in our late seventies, uh, my wife and I, and uh, so we don't. We don't go to any retail stores. We don't. We don't uh, travel. Um, uh, we haven't seen our grandchildren since uh, February of of last year. Um, wow. Other than on Zoom and uh, various uh, platforms, um, so it's affected us. Uh, but we both uh, both my wife is an artist and. Uh, and I, I, I'm cutting a film, so we both have things to do, uh, and we've stayed occupied and, uh, it's been such a weird time where you are very entertained by the news and what's, what's been going on. So, uh, but it's a big change and, uh, uh, but things are trying to progress. There was a baseball season. I'm a big baseball fan and, uh. uh-huh. So, you know. That's awesome. I yeah. mean, halfway around the world, we are being entertained by the news from over there as well, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. Robert, could you, you know, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how, how you got into film editing? Like, what were your roots? Uh, how did you have to get into the business? Um, I was uh, a student a un- I, I, I went to college in a, a small university in upstate New York and uh-huh. um, I uh, we had in, in American universities fraternities and uh, I joined a fraternity that controlled the uh, college movie program and the senior who was running it, I was a freshman, didn't care hoot about it. So 
by the end of my freshman year, I was running it and uh, booking, booking films. Uh, uh, the film would show Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. And uh, so I started my film education. I started bringing films to the campus. Uh, at that point, they were bringing Doris Day and Rock Hudson movies, very frivolous, uh, kind of not very good movies. Uh, you know, popular movies, I guess, yeah. uh, and light movies. And I started bringing, you know, Fellini and uh, uh, Aventura, uh, uh, French movies, uh, you know, uh, and, and American movies. But, and I, uh, by the middle of my sophomore year, the program had become profitable. Uh, uh, people would stop me on campus and say, "What are you? What are you showing this week?" You know. Uh, so I got in. I got uh, interested in film uh, uh, in high school. Um, I saw a film called right, by uh, Truffaut called 400 Blows," and uh, so um, near the end of the college program, I took a course in a college. Uh, Syracuse University, which is about 30 miles away. I took a film course, filmmaking course. And um, and my 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 then to become wife was happened to be in Syracuse too. So that made it uh, uh, us able to get together. And um, so I applied to USC Film School, got in and uh, uh, I they had a uh, the way they taught the school was you you had to learn all five parts of filmmaking uh, writing mm -hmm. camera uh, directing sound and editing and um, they all had uh, the the weakest uh, professor was the directing professor the writing guy was a Hollywood writer. Uh, the sound guys were professional sound people in LA. The cameraman uh, was a, a very good professional cameraman. And the editor was a uh, feature, had cut features. Um, so we had, we had a very good uh, uh, program. And I, we, I, I like to think that, you know, Walter Birch went there. Uh, sound is uh, the, the person who, Coined the phrase sound design, and a large yeah. part of part part of his getting into sound came from came from uh, the USC Film School. Um, so, uh, uh, and then when I got out of school, uh, uh, I the first job I got was to work on a there's something called in the United States the USIA. It's essentially a propaganda uh, uh -huh. uh, program. They they make the films are never shown in the United States, uh, and um, we got a film. Uh, I was working with Verna Fields, who was the editor of Jaws, but at that point she was still trying to get into the industry as a woman. This and, is back uh, in the sixties, I'm assuming. Uh, sorry, sixty-eight, sixty-six. 67, 68, uh, oh. close to 68, 67, 68. And, um, and um, she was cutting this film 
that was uh, and and what ha what happened is that the the uh, uh, dignitary would come to the United States and the USIA would make a film about his trip to the United States. President Marcos came to to Washington. President Marcos of the Philippines came to the United States to meet with President Johnson. President uh -huh. Johnson wanted to uh, uh, justify the Vietnam involvement that the United States was in. So they decided to have the Manila Conference. <laughs> Johnson wanted to give, hand the film physically to Johnson, I mean, to Marcos. So what became a uh, six-week cutting schedule for a 20-minute two-reel film became a two-week cutting schedule. Verna turned to me. I was her assistant. and We had been working about a week. And um, she said, can you cut? And I said, yes. And she handed me half the film and was kind enough to give me a screen credit. Uh, and I was, so I was an assistant for a half, half uh, for one week in my life. So, oh. uh, so I, now I had a credit, I could go peddle myself as an editor, so. And you were part of, uh, you know, what people later coined uh, the Dirty Dozen. You, George Lucas, Walter yeah, Murch. Yeah, that's uh, it. At, at USC, yeah. we, we, Walter Murch, George Lucas, Rand, Randall Kleiser, Cable De Caleb Deschanel, the father of the two Deschanel sisters, uh, as well as being a great cameraman and director. Um, uh, Matthew Robbins wrote, uh, uh, a bunch of films, uh, Hal Barwood. Hal Barwood, yeah. Um, uh, now, uh, John Milius, uh, who wrote Apocalypse Now. Um, and uh, you had Ho Howard, uh, I, 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 uh, John Milius, huh? Uh, Howard, uh, Howard, ca 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 yeah, I can't, I don't know how to say his name either. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I know who he is. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, um, Gary Kurtz, who went was a little behind, went or went l earlier than we did, became mm -hmm. George Lucas's uh, pr producer. So, uh, so there was a real, real, real connection to a bunch of us uh, who all came three out of the group of ten or twelve, whatever it was. Uh, uh, we're from California. The rest were from uh, the East Coast, mostly. Uh, and uh, we all sort of showed up at the same time. And uh, it was it was it was very fun. And we, we worked on each other's films. And uh, it was it was a nifty, uh, a nifty moment. So. And you worked with George on the original Star Wars, but not as an editor. Uh, no. Could you could you tell us a little bit, like, you know, yeah, what was about, it was, it was, uh, you know, I knew George, I knew he was doing Star Wars. I didn't know much about it. And uh, about six, five or six weeks before uh, the film was going to open, he called me up and he said, hey, could you go shoot this, uh, sh these two shots I need uh, 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 kind of pressed. We got to get them done. Uh, uh -huh. Uh, we've been trying to get the shot, but we've been unsuccessful. And what what they were were the it's uh, when uh, uh, Luke Skywalker is in a land speeder, 
Yeah. Hold, hold on a sec. Okay. Yes, there we go. <laughs> My little model that actually George gave me uh, oh. a few years ago. So uh, the Landspeeder, this one has wheels. The, the Landspeeder in the film is floating off the surface of the ground. The uh, Landspeeder, yeah, the Landspeeder. Uh, that we shot was a uh, a, 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 a uh, souped up uh, uh, golf cart <laughs> and uh, three wheels like like this one this has, mm -hmm. has three wheels yeah. and and uh, uh, so the trick was to cover up the wheels um, and so what was used was a mirror uh, and I had, I could see the uh, three other attempts at this. So I, I had that advantage. And um, so uh, what I had them do was extend the mirror under the car. This was like right, right there. Yeah. And uh, I had them extend it past the back and past the front. Uh, okay. So there wasn't a line of the edge of the car. So you'd notice because mm -hmm. the, the line was, there was always a line, but it was yeah. fur, it's further out of the car and further behind. So you didn't notice it. Then I noticed that the way they had the mirror, it was at, I can't see, yeah, there you go. Uh, it it was tipped so that it was getting the the ground here, and what I had them do was tip it up more so it was seeing seeing the ground a little yeah. further out. So it was going a little slower. It's right with it's like here it's going very fast, like it's here it's going a little slower, and it looked more like to me to my eye that it was. Uh, uh, you were looking underneath the car to, into the distance. Um, and uh, then they, we did, we did a take and there were two guys who were the, in charge of the, keeping the car running and clean. And they mm -hmm. came out with cloths to clean the mirrors. And I said, no, 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 let don't, don't clean the mirrors. There was, cause there was dust on it. And, um, so we we got we got the two the two shots going in two different directions. Uh, we were in a in the um, a dry lake, and uh, uh, in uh, Southern California, and uh, we got the shot. The oddest thing was, Joe Johnston was uh, uh, twenty three when Star Wars was happening, and. Um, he was working. He he was the guy who came from ILM to help out, you know, and to 
and uh, and neither of us realized. And I've cut five of Joe Johnston, Joe Johnston's films. Neither of us realized it till Captain America. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's um, crazy how crazy. Can, yeah. you know uh, start off like way back in the past and then uh, play out so weirdly in the future. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you you worked on five movies with him, and uh, I think uh, was Captain America like the the most recent one? Was it the last? Yes. One? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's the last film I worked with him. And before that, you worked on um, Jurassic um, Park three. Jurassic Park 3, Hidago, um, uh, uh, October Sky, and um, mm -hmm. Jumanji. Jumanji. Jumanji was the first, uh, the first Jumanji uh, with Robin Williams. And, Robin Williams. Uh, uh, and then October Sky is an excellent movie. I uh, recommend it. It's, uh, uh, it did not have a big box office, but... Uh, it's uh, probably the best movie I've ever cut. Uh, it's just just a really uh, good movie about a kid in uh, in, in uh, West Virginia, which was is a essentially a coal coal mining state. And uh, this is in the fifties. It's when uh, uh, the Russians set off Sputnik, which was the first satellite. Uh, and it uh, empowers uh, this uh, high school kid to uh, start developing uh, uh, rockets. And the original, the original book it was based on was called Rocket Boys. Was what, and uh, uh, so that's it's it's good, really a good movie. So yeah, put it on your list. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, I I already have it on my list. I'm just need to get around and watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Black, the Black Stallion. This was the movie that you got nominated for an Academy Award as well. Yeah. So, you know, could you walk us through like how did that happen and uh, what was it like getting nominated? Um, I had one or two contacts with Carol Ballard, uh, who uh, lived in LA when and uh, about he he was. Uh, uh, is a great cameraman himself. And um, he was one of the three or four Americans uh, who uh, stood by uh, the Eclair uh, uh, CM3 camera, which uh, uh, is very much like the Aeroflex, handheld Aeroflex camera, although it had... It was great because it had a much bigger view, viewfinder views. What you look, the Aeroflex, you were looking at a little tiny picture. Then the Eclair, you're looking at a, a picture that fills your eye, um, a, a monitor, an monitor, viewfinder. Okay. And um, so I ha had questions and we, we talked a couple of times. And then out of the blue, uh, I got a call from the producer. They needed an editor. So I start I... You know, uh, they were cutting in Northern California, where I was living, and uh, so that's how how it started. And uh, it was an arduous process. We, Carol, uh, about a quarter of the film 
was uh, uh, a, a after the shipwreck. Um, three quarters of the footage was uh, uh, the ship and the shipwreck, and I mean not after the shipwreck, but um, the island. So and the bulk of that was um, so a million feet of film. It's ninety feet a minute. Uh, a million, a million feet. A million feet of film. Oh, wow. uh, it's ninety feet a minute. You can figure out how many hours it was. I used to, I used to remember, but I can't anymore. And <laughs> and uh, you know, nine, nine, So you, you know, uh, so and three quarters of it was the island. It had many, many, many scenes that were never in the movie. Um, one night, I was uh, still working and. Uh, I decided uh, we needed to have a, a end credit sequence for the crew and the uh, and uh, so I went through all the scenes that weren't in the movie and cherry picked footage out and cut together this uh, moment that's at the end of the movie and uh, yeah I had the great experience the first time we screened the film it was in uh, Seattle uh, we were doing a preview where the, we to get audience reaction. And it was a full house in Seattle. Uh, and the the movie ended and the the you could see the audience beginning to get up and then the titles came on and everybody sat down and watched the watched the uh, the, <laughs> the credits. Uh, so I, you know it was 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 a, a very fun uh, reaction. So yeah. uh, uh, it, it was uh when they when they shot uh, the the island stuff where the where the boy is, they shot for uh, two or three months, and um, every day they'd go out and say, "What what uh, what are we going to shoot today?" You know. So <laughs> there were scenes that they shot. There's a scene in the movie where Alec is trying to get the horse. He's trying to feed the horse. With some seaweed, uh, and um, yeah, the horse that they try, you know, they tried. There were probably fifteen days that they tried to get this to happen, and it happened once. He actually took it once, and that's that's what's <laughs> in the movie. And uh, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, it was it was great fun and uh, lots of interest, good stories. Uh, uh, Carol tells great stories about it. Uh, there's a, the scene. There's a scene where Alec wakes up and there's a cobra right next to him, and um, uh -huh. the the Carol had uh, met with the greatest, uh, the the best animal trainer in Italy. It was mainly an Italian crew, and, um, and and mainly the island was all shot in Sicily, and. Um, so they made a deal, and the man said, "Well, okay, we'll have two covers. They'll they'll be matched, um, and uh, we we will will take their venom sacks out of them, and um, but they but they will not survive, and it'll cost you uh, uh, two thousand dollars each." And okay, that seemed, you know, and so they got the covers. And Carol forgot about it. This was weeks and weeks before they were going to be shooting it. Uh, they had not started shooting there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 
the day that they're starting to shoot the Cobras, uh, two guys who's never seen before show up and they're the Cobra handlers. And Carol <laughs> says, well, have they, have they been, have they been de the, the venom sacks removed? No, no, don't worry about that. It's okay. These two Italian macho guys. And, uh, and they said, and Carol said, well, what about if someone gets better? You know, uh, one of the things that Cobras do is they spit, they spit uh, venom and it can get into your eyes. If it gets in your eyes, it's just as, as uh, yeah. effective a poison as, as being bit, uh, as being struck by it. So, um, and they do, they do do this. So they said, Oh, no problem. They pulled out a little container and then it was indeed a, 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 a syringe and a little tiny bottle. And they said, mm -hmm. we have anti-venom that somebody, they have to go to the hospital. They'll just be sick for three uh, two weeks, you know, no problem, no problem. And um, <laughs> so what they ended up doing was they put up a, and, and if you look at the movie, you can actually see the density difference. They put up a piece of plexiglass in, in front of Alec. The mm -hmm. Cobra Cobra was on the other side of it. The problem with that is it's a piece of plexiglass is like a mirror. So they had yeah. they had to darken everything that they didn't want you to see. So the camera had to have a big black hood over everything, and and it took time to do that. Everything slowed down, and it got so it took so long to get one shot that they were now into what had been a day shoot had become three, four, or five days, and it and it was getting colder because it was in in September. And cobras are uh, cold-blooded. Cold-blooded, yeah. You put them, you put them on cold sand, and guess what? They don't move. <laughs> so then they had to dig pits, put space heaters under them, put plywood on top, to put sand on top, and then they would put the cobra on the warm thing, and then perk up and do do their cobra thing. But it took two weeks to shoot. <laughs> To shoot these shots, and and uh, the Cobras died anyway, and uh, so it it was you know a terrible producer's decision. Uh, that's, well, that's that's why they say or uh, try to refrain from working with animals and kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Old people. They say old people too. So. Old people too. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you edited uh, the, the the first Black Stallion movie, but you directed the second one. Exactly. That, 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 that's uh, you, yeah. that was that was a simple. Uh, we were working uh, at that point. Uh, near the end, we were working in San Francisco, in the city of San Francisco. Most of, a lot of the cutting was done in Marin County, actually, mm -hmm. in, in, at George Lucas's home. He had a he had a. There was an extra building in it, and we used that. I actually worked. I actually cut in the basement of of his house, okay. uh, and um, uh, and we moved to the city to work at Zoetrope, American Zoetrope, Francis's company, because Black Stallion was a, an American Zoetrope film, Francis Coppola's company, and. Um, one day I had been using his, uh, Francis was a, is a very innovative filmmaker. And um, 
this was now in 70, 1977, and um, he had developed a uh, uh, an offline uh, video editing system uh, that used VHS tapes, and I was trying to restructure the the island sequence. Uh, and I had been up there in his in his uh, cutting room in his uh, his office, and uh-huh. uh, I had finished. And I was coming down and walking out the door, and Francis pulled up in a taxi cab and got out, and he said, "Robert, you know if there's a sequel to Black Stallion, do you want to direct it?" And I said, sure, Francis. And that was the deal. That was how I got to uh, direct direct the movie. So we shot in, we, we shot most, we shot a little bit in in uh, Italy, but mm-hmm. we mostly shot in uh, Morocco. Uh, it was a long shoot because most of the film was outside. We were shooting in the winter. So we only had, uh, you know, nine or 10 hours of daylight. Um, and um, how did you know, uh, be, you know, moving uh, moving into directing from an editor's standpoint? How did that help? Like, how did editing basically help with the directing? Well, if at all in a way, I believe that uh, you know, there's 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 a great quote by uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, that. Uh, two quotes what one is basically he says photography existed before film directing existed before film writing existed before film but editing is unique to film and and uh uh you know verna fields called it cutting you know i think it's a better yeah. term the the french call it coupe right For, uh, okay. yeah yeah and um I think it's a better term because there's always, I think people who don't understand what editing is, there's confusion between editing, editing a book and editing and editing a film. And they're entirely different because the structure, you know, uh, every, every film you edit, uh, uh, you know, the only film that I ever cut that stayed exactly in terms of scenes like the script was jumanji but jumanji had dice rolls and it had you had the scenes had to stay in that order so paul hirsch who you know you've interviewed uh, says editing is the final rewrite so uh, editing is really isn't shooting getting everything you need to make the movie in the editing room. Uh, the same with pre-production. It's all to get yeah. the footage that you put together in the, in the cutting room. So uh, the, uh, as I said about, about uh, USC, all of us who went there, we all had a great editing teacher. And I think of all the, fi- all the filmmakers who came out of SC, the one thing you can say about all their films is they're really well cut because we all we all understand editing. It's always a surprise to me how many people in the film industry do not understand what goes on in a cutting room. And 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 uh so okay, cut to me directing this movie. Yes. So I understood coverage, I understood 
what I needed to get uh, and uh, knew that as, as the day progressed and I was running out of time, uh, I couldn't get this shot, this shot. Well, I could lose that shot, but I've got to get this shot, you know, uh, this angle. This uh, so that helped me, but the the uh, the thing that didn't help me was because I had been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, the the Italian crew, which is which is very different from an American crew in that it's very hierarchical. The 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 regista, the the director, is God, and and and. You're kind of put up on a pedestal, and uh, and so you're a little bit unapproachable to begin with. But they were all afraid to make you know, like one of the great. You have a great collaboration with a cameraman, and and because you you know the director is setting the shot. The director is always setting the shot, but yeah. what you're getting from the cameraman is his his or her experience and and help with angles and you know uh, the designs of shots i got none of that um i had <laughs> I, I had to think of everything which was fine i but it, it i mi- i missed the collaboration uh because it is it is a collaborative medium you know always yeah, yeah. Oh. so and, and uh, you know you need all the help you can get you know as a director yes you know? i mean it's it's been no different uh, at least making short movies short films and uh, collaboration I, I believe is key so i can i can only imagine what you went through on a set like that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but at the same time uh, you know you've you've been editing for quite a long time and you've edited on you've edited on a tape and nonlinear you know, like you've seen the whole film versus you know film transitioning into the digital phase as well what are your thoughts on this process, like this transition? Well, you know, for me, it was uh, it was economic. Uh, I I had been directing commercials uh, in the United States, TV commercials, and um, I had just uh, I was living in Northern California, but I was working at a Los Angeles company. And I decided I, 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 enough was enough. I didn't want to do it. And, um, and, and for years I had done commercials through Coppola's company, American Zotro. And um, uh, I was waiting for my car at the valet parking at the San Francisco airport when I met a local filmmaker, John Cordy, uh, who's well known to the Bay Area. Uh, he's made a bunch of independent films and predated Zoetrope and, and, and George and Phil Kaufman and all these people working in the Bay Area. And he he was standing there waiting for his car. And he said, hey, would you be interested in cutting a movie? So I cut the it was a TV movie of the week. And then uh, after that, a few weeks later, I got the call for Black Stallion and uh so basically, I moved away from directing and shooting. Um, I, I still, all through, the, from the beginning of my uh, cutting career, uh, I still uh, was a DP. 
In fact, in Black Stallion, the first time Alec rides the horse from when he comes out of the water and uh, rides on the beach, that was that's all stuff that I that I photographed. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of stuff in the final race that I was one of the cameramen on. Um, so uh, I, I was uh, the DP on a TV show, Nash Bridges. Uh, I, for, for four years, I shot almost all of the second unit uh, stunt, uh, stunt stuff. So, you know, I, I stayed active in all these things as much as I could. Uh, but I love cutting. Uh, I love the nature of it. I love the involvement. Uh, uh, it's uh, to me, it's engrossing, and uh, it's uh, uh, it's this giant puzzle that you're trying to figure out and uh, make yeah. work. And uh, which do you prefer, actually? I mean, you you did say the the change was more economic, but do you act, like do you miss uh, cutting on tape. At cutting all. on tape? No, I never cut on tape. Um, okay. We we I, I you know the from the first time at USC Film School, uh, I teach I teach editing at a small school here in San Francisco, and one of the one of the sessions I do is what it used to be like cutting film. You know, uh, you there were there there were you you. You know, when you make a cut in, in, in the late 50s, early 60s, it was done with, uh, with uh, glue. And uh, you would lose frames uh, from your work yeah. print. Um, so uh, I was trying to remember the last film, The Sun is Up Now, and uh, uh, the um, uh, last film, I, I think, was, the, I think was Hidalgo, was shot. Uh, on film, uh, uh, some of Captain America was shot on film, um, uh, and what 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 uh, occurred was uh, 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 nonlinear editing uh, began to take over, and so you would uh, transfer the film, uh, the, the film footage, the work print, to videotape, and. Uh, uh, the Avid uh, system uh, figured out a way to make uh, 30 frames work like 20, like the, the real 24 frames. It would find a way to eliminate the frames that the video was making. Uh, and um, so you, you, you were working on a video system, uh, but it looked at, you were seeing only the 24 frames that were that that were the footage, um, so uh, cutting on tape is is a I, I have done it. Uh, I'm not uh, the, I've worked in tape because when you were doing TV commercials, you had to at some uh, some point yeah. go to tape, and um, it's just a, a terrible terrible process, and uh, uh, it never was a, was a good a good method until. Um, some of the machines got better, um, uh, and nonlinear editing is using computers and not uh, and not not videotape. Although that's in the early days, that's how the images got to the computer through videotape. 
Yeah. What are you know? So, what are the key points that you keep in mind when whenever you are editing um, any specific scene? Second. Oh, what are the key points or the elements that you keep in mind when whenever you edit any well, scene? I, I I think editing editing is about it's about finding the rhythms uh, of the scene and the the rhythms. Uh, I can remember years ago, I was watching dailies, which is something that's disappeared. Uh, and I recommend to any filmmaker before they start cutting, look at your, look at all your footage. Uh, 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 and dailies happened. Uh, uh, the film would be shot. It would go to a lab. It would be processed. It would, the, the negative would be processed, the camera negative. Then, mm. then that would be printed then the print and the separate sound would come to the editing room. The assistant editors would sync up the picture and sound. And then at the uh, usually at the end of the shooting day, the editor and the director and whoever of the crew wanted to go see what the, we'd all sit in a room and watch the dailies. And I realized at one point that I was tapping my foot while I was watching the scene. And mm -hmm. I realized that what I was actually doing was that I was realizing that the scene I was looking at had a rhythm, had a beat to it. And, okay. and uh, so I started trying to find what, what find that in everything that I was looking at. And um, it taught me a lot about the rhythm. So the rhythms come from, from movement, like just how I'm doing my gestures, and uh, they're uh, from from the rhythm of your voice, the rhythms of the lines, uh, uh, and then the camera, how the camera moves, uh, uh, on and on and on. There are all these things playing out the rhythms. So uh, that's that's something that you know I I you know actors. At the way the way actors deliver the lines, uh, uh, the, the that, and then and then editing is is also about cutting is about emphasis, uh, uh, you know, uh, a reaction shot is telling the audience uh, how to how to interpret what they're seeing, how the character is feeling, and that sometimes is more important. Than seeing the actor who's delivering the line, because you're 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 showing the emotion. So it's it's about dealing with, you know, uh, film is about emotion. That's what it does best. That's what it reveals best. Uh, you can use it to teach something, you know, how to put something together. But it's only okay at that. But what it really does best is about emotion. And so the rhythms finding the rhythms of the pace of something is one of the ways to help you with storytelling. And that's finally what you're doing. That's, that's, you're telling a story and it moves in time, has a beginning and a middle and an end. And, uh, so. That's lovely. Yeah. And, uh, this is something Paul Hirsch, uh, said when I interviewed him last, uh, he said that, you know, uh, there's a time when you become snow blind. Use the term snowblind because you've seen the footage, you've seen the edits Absolutely. so many times, 
and uh, then you know it's, you're unable to judge how it the, is. How do you deal with this? It's the big. It's the big battle. Is uh, is uh, uh, um, keeping keeping your your intuition and you know keeping keeping it alive. Um, uh, it, it's hard um, because you're working in minutia. You know you're you're yeah. finding the cut. Uh, when I was cutting film, I would not physically put the first cut together. Um, I would mark where the cut would be uh, and where the sound would would be, and um, I, I so I would have numbers, you know, one, two, three, four, four A. That you know, and I would write down what the order was, and um, I would ha hand that all to my assistant. And then he or she would put it together, and uh, and then I would look at it. And so nobody had ever seen it before until I looked at it. And yeah. and and so that was a good way. So I don't make rough cuts. I don't make assemblies. I I I try to cut the stuff at the beginning. So sometimes a little slower getting a cut done, uh, first cut done. I don't call it rough cut. I call it a first cut. And um, but you battle it. There's, there's uh, you, you know, you you move away from something uh, and uh, say, I think it's working. I'll, I'll go on to this next scene, uh, and then a couple of days later, you'll go back and look at that, and there'll be a, a certain degree of freshness. Uh, the other way is uh, uh, showing it to friends. Uh, uh, as a, as a short film filmmaker, uh, uh, or screening it uh, with an audience, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a great equalizer because you're 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 for the first time you're in a room as as film was designed to be full of people in a dark room uh, watching shadows uh, on the screen uh, and and. Uh, uh, you get the chance to see how an audience reacts. Uh, um, I have a real fear that uh, COVID is going to change the way we watch movies. Uh, uh, it's going to, you know, it's a good chance that a, a bunch of movie theaters, in the, at least in the United States, won't be reopening uh, because of ac the economics of them. You know, the big uh, the movie, the, the theater business, the movie theater business, is not a very profitable business. It's barely profitable. I don't, you know, uh, selling uh, popcorn and candy is is one of the ways that a movie theater breaks yeah. even. So, you know. So anyway, um, that so those those kinds of things are 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 really important. And I think I think experience is is also, you know, you you know, uh, uh, the the great blessing that your generation has is that you uh, you uh, you are you see so much film <laughs> every day, you know, yeah. so much you know video, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, on your phone, uh, on your computer, on your television, you know, we're, so that that we are all better 
everybody in the world sees better than they than they saw 40 years ago. Um, like I the to more content, like it's bombarded at us every single day from social media to exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I cut Black Stallion, uh, the negative cutter you have the camera negative, right? That becomes what becomes the film. But somebody has to cut the pieces together. There are numbers yeah. on the edge of the work print and th that match numbers on the on the uh, camera negative. Uh, there's a negative cutter who puts those pieces together using the work print as the guide. And uh, the, the first uh, negative cutter I had, whose ha name happened to be Betty Davis, uh, who was a famous actress and uh, uh, in America and the world. Yeah. And um, uh, she said, well, do you want to know how many cuts are in Black Stallion? And I said, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, you know, I said, yes. And she says, 980. Oh, okay. That's good to know. So from that point on, I asked uh, how many cuts were the, were, were in the, the final movie, although it's now harder to find that out uh, because the negative cutter would know because all the little pieces would be uh, hanging there for, for him or her to put into the cut. Um, uh, so um, uh, I, I asked, I got the number on Jurassic Park 3, which is half an hour shorter than Black Stallion, 980 cuts. Jurassic Park 3 had has more than 2,000 cuts. Oh, I said, gee, that's interesting. And it doesn't, you know, when you look at it, there's lots of cuts in it, but it doesn't ever seem too, too cutty, too, you know. Yeah. And so it, it brought me to the concept that we learn everything we watch teaches us how to see what things that we watch and we get everything we see we get better at and uh so uh, you know we're 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 all good uh, uh watchers of film so do you think i mean does that go to say that editing as an art form has changed throughout the years that it's evolved or uh no. have have we evolved? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's the same process. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just that the tools are different. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, editing is editing. Uh, the, the school I teach at, the course I teach is called advanced editing. And the first words out of my mouth to my students are, there is no such thing as advanced editing. It's just <laughs> editing. And editing, uh, editing. yeah, editing is editing. So, uh, as Kubrick said, it's unique to film, and uh, it it is the it is how you how how a film is finished, how it, the film is made, and so uh, uh, you know, you know what what's changed is uh, you know uh, in the past since since. Uh, well, October Sky, Jumanji, they, they, all the films I've cut have had CG in them. There isn't, there isn't a film I've cut since Jumanji, which was essentially the first film I cut, that didn't have CG in it. So there, there is that, what, uh, what we used to call opticals, which in the simplest form is a dissolve. Uh, 
And the way that was made was uh, it went to a, a, a specific machine called an optical printer and mm -hmm. the dissolve was made. The, the shutter was closed on one side, the film was rolled back and the other shot coming in, the shutter was open and that would make the dissolve. Um, and it was a, a new piece of film made from the camera negative. Um, that's become part of uh, computer generated. So some of the things like a dissolve can be done in, in the nonlinear machine. But the point, the point is, is that uh, you still, there are certain new things that you could do to manipulate the film, but essentially a cut is a cut. Uh, and cutting why you cut and where you cut and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think perfect. editing is very instinctive. Um, Walter Merch and I have talked about this a lot. What, what makes you cut? I don't know. I can't. I, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's uh, how how you respond and 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 how you see. You know, uh, and we all. I, I like to believe we all see very well, and the audience that you're cutting for understands seeing uh, as well as you do. You just know how to manipulate it as an editor. Yeah. So. So you you're basically like. Uh... A mentalist, you. Uh, <laughs> you that's, that's a good. Body. That's a good. A good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what you're trying to do as an editor is to stay a little bit ahead of your audience, so that your audience, through the unfolding of what of what you're doing, is becomes engrossed in what you're doing and stops thinking and is is feeling and they're intently watching. They're they're concentrating on what you've done, and they they get inside the movie. There was a movie theater here that no longer exists in a small town close to close to where I live, and it was a very narrow theater. And down at the end of the theater was a screen, and it was kind of small. And the thing that I learned from that theater was there was a point you go in and you sit in the sit in the lights haven't gone down and you look down and there's this little tiny screen at the end of the end of the theater and you know that wasn't really tiny but it was small uh, small looking and but at some point in the movie suddenly that screen has come big and you are inside the screen you are you're that and it's it's you know it's brain stuff uh but it's your it's because you pulled into the movie and that's, I think, uh, a yeah, good yeah. deal of what of what the overview of what you're trying to do with an audience is that you're trying to uh, 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 dis not deceive them, but uh, involve them and invoke invoke these images so that they they are their brain isn't trying to figure things out. And you know, as soon as that happens, you're out of the movie. True, uh, true. You know, and so if a shot is too long that takes you out of the movie. Uh, and that's, that's uh, uh, you know, or there's a bad cut or the sound uh, distracts you or, you know, these are all things that, 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 that you're manipulating. And it's about they're all plugged in for us. Yeah. Long runs, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the CG. I mean, uh, 
as an editor, like uh, let's let's take a movie like Jumanji, and this was back in the ninth. This was in 1995, and uh, CG takes such a long time to be rendered and everything. And how you know how does this affect the editing process? Um, what what happened with uh, CG for me? This has gotten uh, uh, in terms of professionally. Uh, most of the work I've done. CG has been um, uh, ILM, the Lucas's company, um, not anymore, and uh, it's now Disney's company. And um, uh, the there was a there's a shot in Jumanji uh, where the lion leaps down from the third floor down to where Robin Williams is standing and the kids yeah. are, and uh, that shot was the first shot we hand, handed over to uh, ILM. So there was no lion. There was just a, a background plate uh, with the movement in it. And uh, it was, it was this is 1995, and this was the first shot we gave to them. It was the last shot we, uh, we approved, and we approved it grudgingly. We, we we had no we had no more time, uh, and uh, they, the the term is uh, could be better CBB, uh, uh, but you you accept it, and um, had a lot not lot uh, the uh, anything of the lion back then took when we wanted to render it to see what it was looking like. Most of the time, when we looked at the animation, it did, the, the lion didn't have its mane because it took an enormous amount of time to do the hair. And so they would start Friday night at six o'clock rendering it, and the rendering wouldn't be done till Monday morning. And, and um, so, so this is now six months to get a final. On, on one shot. In, wow. in, in um, Hidago, there's a scene that we added scenes. Uh, I took, I found a shot of a horse and we used, we, we found reaction shots and some we shot, some were put on backgrounds. And there's one, and there's a, there's a, a dust storm and there's one shot where the horse comes out and he shakes his head. That's a CG shot. Uh, with the with the background plays, and um, the one of the hardest things to do is smoke and dust. So this is now, I don't know, two thousand something, five seven something like that. Yeah. I don't remember the date. Um, overnight, we had the shot, the composite, and and it looked great. We said, "My God, that's a, that's a final," and the the the, the, the uh, fact supervisor said, "Oh no, no, no! We're gonna we, we're not done with it. It just wanted to get it to you. So that's that's the that's the thing that's that's changed is that the ability to put out CG stuff is is enormously fast, and the innovation is is just miraculous. Uh, there are shots in um, in in, in uh, 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 Jurassic Park three where the raptors uh, are a puppet, uh, uh, anatromatic, and then they turn 
And in that turn, they are taken over by uh, ILM and become a running a running away raptor. And and uh, so it's 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 to me remarkable and. You know the simplest, the low bud, low budget movies have CG shots in them. I I did a shot about baseball, and they're in a uh, uh, a film about uh, baseball that has baseball in it. And um, there's a scene where they're at a stadium, and uh, a, a minor league stadium, and in the background, written on the walls, are cores, the the beer, the American beer, and yeah. core cores was asked, is that okay? And they said, well, is there any alcoholism in the in the film you're working on? And we said, yes. And they said, no, we'd like you to take, we, you can't use, you can't use the name course. So this extremely low budget film had to find the money to CG yeah. out, CG out the, the signs. So this was, you know, nowadays I could do it on my computer, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's it's it plays a role, but it's become it's become an easier tool to manipulate, and and um, and I I think that almost every film, uh, you know, every theatrical film uh, has some CG in it that you're not aware of. You know, something is fixed. Oh, there's a microphone in the shot. Uh, let's erase it. And uh, um, yeah, you know. You know, you when you did wire stunts uh, before yeah. CG, you did everything you could to make uh, the wire uh, uh, invisible. You know, so it was by lighting, taking the light off it, putting light on it, whatever. Um, and nowadays, you know, yep. it's gone. It's, so, it's very simple now. Yeah. So it's 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 a great tool. Uh, it solves lots of problems, uh, but it doesn't make uh, uh, you still have to cut the movie together, and uh, it's still it's just it's just a tool uh, as much as anything. Uh, and uh, I have two questions uh, before we kind of wrap up because uh, we approach the one hour mark, but it's all good. Uh, Working with multiple editors versus, you know, working alone, how does that dynamic play out? What are the advantages of working with somebody? And like, if there are any disadvantages, what are they? Um, basically, uh, the, 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 the one movie that I really worked, uh, there were, there were, uh, there were, uh, there were, there were other editors on Black Stallion, but, uh, uh, they 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 didn't last. Um, it's a long belt story. Um, the, so the, the 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 film that I worked with another editor in conjunction with and uh, was uh, uh, Jeff Ford on um, on um, uh, uh, Captain America. And um, what we did was we didn't we didn't ex we didn't do one scene and then he did the next scene. What we did was we found uh, blocks of sequences. So uh, uh, I cut the beginning and then he cut the, the first time we see uh, 
Captain America before he's Captain America. I saw shot the transformation through the chase where he's, you know, gets the submarine guy. Uh, you know, so so we were cutting, you know, six, eight, ten minute sections, uh, uh, six, six to eight, I'd say, sections uh, that that had that were 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 in a sense a sequence rather than a scene. And, gotcha. um, uh, and uh, when when I teach, I I teach about sequences uh, because they're they're connected and they flow into each other. And and uh, 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 they 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 have d distinct uh, they, they belong together. So that was that was basically how we uh, cut cut uh, 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 Captain America. Yeah, uh, Captain didn't, America. Didn't styles clash at all? Excuse me. Didn't your styles clash? Or and uh, I mean like. Uh, well, oddly, oddly enough, we would we would we would uh, look at each other's stuff before we showed them to Joe and the producers, and um, we would we would comment. You know, we would we would uh, uh, kind of aid each other and um, make suggestions, see things. To, you know, so it was a different set of eyes, and uh, it was very healthy, and um, we. Uh, you know, we, that that's something. You know, we would, I would, I would, we would, we would uh, sort of meet in the morning. Uh, he was, he was, uh, he'd be there at seven, six in the morning, and I would be there at nine, nine thirty. Um, so I would come into his cutting room, and we would have a chat. Sometimes about nothing to do with the film. And sometimes a lot to do with the film, and then we would work, and you know, the next day we would do the same thing. Um, and then uh, every once in a while, he'd, he'd say, "Look at this," and I'd say, uh, "Come in and look at this," you know. So, so it was a, a real collaboration, and uh, uh, and then and then Joe Johnson connected it uh, because he was he was looking at both things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Final question for tonight. Uh, for people wanting to get into filmmaking, basically editing or directing, whatever it is, what, what's the advice that you would give youngsters? Um, I don't know. It's I've been asked that question a hundred thousand times. Uh, asking yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's a passion. You know. Uh, uh, find find a way to make films. Uh, the great the great difference between when I was starting and now is that the one of the the, the most expensive parts of it is no longer expensive. Uh, the camera's expensive, but shooting is not ex shooting. Getting it onto some media is yeah. is cheap now. It's just the cost of a hard drive or the cost of a of a SSD drive, uh, yeah. and and so um, and you you can learn a lot from short films, uh, you know. Uh, so, but in terms of the crafts, I think it's looking for jobs and uh, 
you know, being persistent, calling, calling everybody up and, uh, you know, finding, a, you know, the phone book in, California, in Northern California. There's a, a, a book called The Real Directory, and it has all, <clears throat> it lists basically all the people who are in the film business. I recommend to people to get a copy of that and um, uh, um, call every producer up, every person who calls themselves a producer or production manager. And uh, uh, at some point, somebody's going to need somebody. And, uh, you you know, you, you'll, you'll be the classic right person in the right place at the right time. And uh, so, you know, and it'd be a low level job. It's not going to be... Uh, you know, a set decorator, it's going to be uh, getting coffee or, you know, getting, well, getting, getting yeah. essentials. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Robert, thank you so much for sure. It's uh, getting you on board was quite, quite, uh, quite a process. We've been conferencing since uh, last year, but we finally managed to make it happen. And, possibly someday in the near future uh, for round two. Thank you so much again. And uh, people, uh, next time we are going to have somebody uh, who's uh, a storyboard artist and he's designed concepts and storyboards for what was what once was uh, the uh, biggest television series uh, at, at, at one point. So uh, winter is coming. And uh, I'll see you guys. Story, story, storyboards are help in the editing room too. Um, they, Do you want to say how? I always, I always like to have them if they're available. Uh, and uh, Joe Johnston, one of the things he did was he was one of the storyboard artists on Star Wars, and uh, he's a great artist. And uh, uh, he actually, uh, I think, has peddled some of his. Uh, the storyboards uh, online, um, but anyway, yes. So, so storyboards. You know, you know, if you if there are storyboards, be sure you get a copy in the cutting room. Um, they're they're help. Uh, oh, that's what. Oh, that's how you want to put it together. So, at least you have a starting point. You know, finding the first shot of a scene is uh, the key to how you cut a scene. What is the first shot? And um, it, may, it might not be what the what the director intended, or it might be exactly what the director intended. So, it's about finding uh, whichever one works best and serves the story. Yeah, exactly. That's that gets you into the scene and you know triggers triggers what you need to know uh, mm -hmm. at the beginning of the scene. So, um, I, I wish I had asked the storyboard. I didn't have a storyboard question, but I, now I wish I had brought it because I've never used storyboards when it comes to the editing because by that time it's all shot and we work around with whatever, you know, what, what the, the footage that we already have, but might as well try it uh, out, you know, yeah. using storyboards for Yeah, I, I always ask and, uh, you know, I'll, you know, um, you know, when, when, when a, a scene comes to me, I, the, the, if there are storyboards, I definitely look at them. But the other thing I do is I go back to the script and read the script before I look at the dailies uh, and then look at the dailies. And then, A, I know what changed, if, if something changed. And B, I have an idea 
of what the scene is. So these are these are tools that that you 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 have available to you, and uh, you know if there's, if there's a tool, use it. You know. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome! Thank you so much for the insight, Robert. And uh, I'm, 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 I really feel like we need a session too for uh, a few more things to discuss. But let's get on it. Uh, if you want to go on, I'm happy to go on. So, uh, you know what? I think we got three minutes more. Let's let's, let's just do All it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. You mentioned storyboards, but uh, and also the script. Uh, how, how often has the script, you know, influenced the what do you call the final edit? Because, like Paul Hirsch said, this is the final rewrite. The edit. Uh, well, the sad, the sad thing is for the writer is uh, I have to say, you know, one of the things that that is done on the set is there's, there's, a, there's, there's a script supervisor, and what he or she is doing is marking the takes on, you know, the line down the the thing and. There's yeah. this large book that has all the information from shooting that sits next to you when you're cutting. Um, and you use it, but, and you once in a while refer to it. Um, but the fact is, the one thing I don't look at very much after shooting, other than looking at it right when I'm about to cut a, a scene, a new scene, uh, is is the script uh, because uh, the script no longer matters. What mm -hmm. what matters what matters is what's on the film, and and uh, so it 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 it's you know it's it's kind of too bad, but the work has been done. It was the guide for the shooting. Uh, it 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 got what what you have as an editor to work with but once you have it as an editor the the rules are the rules are off uh you you can you as i said earlier you could you move scenes around you move you try this scene in front of that scene uh yeah. you you read there's a film i cut for haskell wexler um he, he's a dp um he shot this one scene uh, three different times uh, and, and it's a, a scene in a car, and that allowed me to completely restructure the scene. What was the written end of the scene became the beginning of the scene. The middle kind of stayed the same, and what was the beginning of the scene became the end of the scene. And it was a much better structure, and and uh, the scene was much better by this this manipulation. So you know, you drop lines, you realize that. You know, that's been said before. That's so you're always doing stuff that happens to be related to the script, but because it's on the film, that's what's important. It's what that's all you have to work with is what's on the film. So the script got you there, but it's not, it's not in the cutting room, it's not a big influence. How does the structure, you know, how, how is it influenced when it's a, you know, a, a non linear film? Say again. How is the structure, you know, influenced uh, when it's a non-linear film, when the story is non-linear? Uh, I, I think that, that you know, uh, how time functions in a movie is one, one of the unique things about it. So 
you know, flashbacks, uh, 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 flash forwards, uh, you know, uh, compressing time, uh, lengthening time, uh, montages. Uh, these are all time manipulation things. And yeah. I think that's that's part of the, the how you build the rhythms of the whole movie and how you how you structure it. So uh, I think it's more uh, it, 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 those are those are your those are your your uh, that's kind of some of the magic of, of editing. Um, there's a film called uh, Cleo from five to seven directed by French director uh, Agnes Varda. I cut one of her films, and um, for actually the first film I cut was her film, and um, uh, Cleo from five to seven takes place from five o'clock to seven o'clock in Paris, <clears throat> and there are scenes where Cleo walks from point A to point B, and in the movie they are exactly that length. So, and yes, kind of took film time and made it real time, and. It kind of works. There's parts of the film that, you know, why are we watching shoe leather, you know, someone walking, uh, uh, you know, and, and, but, but it's still, you know, it's a very conceptual, uh, 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 um, avant garde, uh, uh, test of film in a way. So, you know, and, uh, uh, what's it, 1917 kind of plays with that. That yeah. idea, um, but there's there's cuts in it, you know. You know, it's not that the cuts in it, but that there's a big chunk of time where he, he falls and gets knocked out, and you know, <laughs> so you know, we, we don't have to watch him uh, sleeping for fourteen hours, you know, so four hours, <laughs> you know, so so um, uh, you know, so time time in movie is uh, times time in movies is really. Uh, uh, one of the the unique the unique parts about it, where you, you know how you how you do it uh, in Born Adventure, the, the the assassin is getting ready to go shoot Born in the railroad station, and he's putting the gun together, something yeah. that you know packing the gun or whatever, something that would take two minutes to do, but it's twelve seconds in the movie, yeah. and yet you believe that you're seeing the whole operation you know but because you're seeing it seeing it in yeah. pieces that's that's you know something that film does really really well and um so and uh what uh, something that we we tried with uh one of our short films was uh editing it you know to a certain tempo because we we uh we were doing this uh uh scene where you have this it's a fight sequence and we wanted it to you know be choreographed to uh, some music but we, we didn't have the music track what we instead did was uh, we cut it to a certain bpm have you ever done something like this or has no i'll tell you tell you two two quick things there was a director when i was a usc uh, i was a film director uh uh gorvid um no i'm gonna say his name wrong Shoot. it'll come to me he was he he um, he started as a silent filmmaker, mm -hmm. and he told us in class that the silent films, as a director, you would go through the script, and you would find the beats for the scene 
using a metronome. Mm. Metronome mm. goes. Exactly. Something musicians use. And that would be on the set while you were shooting the scene. The, the, and so silent uh, movies started having sound in them, and you couldn't do that. So what he did was he would have the metronome going during rehearsals to give something a beat for the scene to right. be in the minds of the of the actors, and and um, you know it's a it's a it's a very interesting uh, idea. The other thing is cutting to music. Don't do it. Cut the scene. Uh, find the beats, the rhythms that are in the action. What's remarkable, one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, in movies, the second to last thing that is done uh, about the same time that the sound ed the sound editors and sound designers come in, the music is handed over to the composer. You kind of lock the picture. And so the, the music is composed to the picture, not the other way around. And you... You use temp music uh, nowadays because composers' music is all available. For, you know, on C on CDs, um, you mm. use use their music as temp music. Uh, but what I do, and I think most editors do, is you cut the scene, and then you either the director finds it or you find it, and you say, you know, this is this is this this music is the right feeling, and you pop it into the scene. And what and figure out where it should start. And you what's remarkable is if the, the cutting's good, the cutting has its rhythms, how many beats and yeah. hits you get from the music because the cutting is right. And and I I had a a a, a great compliment from James Newton Howard. He says, I love writing music to your stuff because the rhythms are there, you know. I can I can pick up the rhythms and and use them uh, in the music. So a good edit feeds uh, <clears throat> through the music and voice yeah, you, you know yeah. you end up making a cut to a beat, but maybe it's not the right place to cut. Mm. And the fact that it's on a beat maybe makes the beat the cut seem better. But it but it, cutting it on the beat of the of the picture makes 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 the makes the music work so the the picture should be driving the music and 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 a good composer transforms something adds something to it because of what's on the picture what he or she is seeing in in, mm. in, in the picture uh um so i say you know it, it's no longer true but in the early days of mtv uh i would recommend to people to Turn off the music, turn off the sound, and watch the cutting. And the cutting was dreadful. It looked, oh my god, oh my god, you you couldn't believe it because it was it was cut to the music, and and uh, you you once you lost the beat of the the music, the 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 film had no no rhythm to it. You know, not always, but but uh, it was remarkable to me when you turn but the sound down. How you how, like a metronome, like using. Uh, a metronome to maybe uh, you know mock the rhythm, I guess. Would, would I, that be I, I, I certainly don't, and I don't think anyone in the film industry did. That uh, uh, the direct name I can't remember, Vidor King Vidor, that was his name, King Vidor. Um, uh, he did, and uh, I think it's because it isn't 
you know, it didn't it didn't become part of the uh, methodology of making films. But I think that you 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 as a director uh, have senses of of how you want the scene to move, and mm -hmm. you know, it's very legitimate to say, you know, let's do it faster, you know, uh, you know, or 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 you know. Uh, uh, asking, you know, it's it, 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 you. You have great skilled actors, and they can they can do things with their voices and with their. So it's very legitimate to talk about pacing uh, to an actor. Um, when I cut Hidago, uh, Vigo Mortensen's great actor, who's great sense of timing, would. Uh, uh, make it difficult sometimes because he would he would build pauses into into a, in, into his dialogue. Right. So you so I would have the editor would have a reaction shot, mm -hmm. um, but in most cases you have a reaction shot if the guy's not talking. You know if the actor's not talking. So yeah. um, and and uh, so. It, it it caught on to all the other actors, and I I I termed it pausitis, you know, as if it was a disease. Uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> it just what what it did what it what it what it removed was uh, uh, staying on one person talk reaction talk. You you lost that that. Uh, that uh, that the, the possibility of that because yeah. the the pauses were elongated. So, gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, Robert. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, sure. that that last bit was just really insightful. So, uh, guys, I hope you guys uh, got something out. Like, I mean, this was like a treasure trove. So, uh, till next time, don't forget to. Stay in touch with John Kathir. Thank you so much, Robert. Have okay. a good one. Stay safe. You too. Yeah.